Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we continue our series, Head of the Helm. Today we are doing something fun. We are picking passengers. Yes. Or a passenger. A passenger. For our ship. We're going a little bit left of center for this one. But not so much left of center, because if you think about it, there are plenty of stories that have passengers in them. Like Titanic. (laughs) All passengers. Except for the crew of the ship. True. Murder on the Orient Express. All passengers. Except for the crew of the train. See? You see where we're going here? Yes. And you'll find out as we go through, yes, there are actually a lot of passengers in science fiction. Yes. It's usually, yeah, it's extra characters that aren't necessarily part of the crew that we're talking about, but are there as a member for extenuating circumstances of, for one sort or another. Exactly. So, without further ado, Mikey, what is your number three didn't quite make it, but you need him on the list, passenger. Didn't quite make it, but need him on the list, passenger. My number three. Well, I gotta. I do have to do a little bit of backstory because okay. this is a silly pick, and this is mainly why it's third pick, <laughs> typical Mikey fashion. But an extra person on a ship, my brain immediately went back to one of my favorite tropes in sci-fi and just genre fiction in general is the trope of a ship cat. Um, ship what? A ship cat. A ship cat. It is a thing. Yes, a ship feline. Um, pirates do it. Old Navy ships used to do it. It's a thing that they you. It wouldn't be a proper voyage unless you set out with a cat on board. Really? Yes. It's for the rats. Exactly. Yeah. That that is the logical consideration. But this tradition is so old that it's just it's superstitious as well. There's a practical purpose. Um, there's also people that believe that cats' ear, inner ears, because they help them land, are also sensitive enough to pick up on uh, barometric changes. So mm-hmm. they can sense storms, and so if a cat gets anxious, it's a sense of a, scor- a storm coming. Or you could just use a barometer. Or you could. <laughs> but we're talking about old pirate ships. <laughs> okay. Old, old pirate ships, wooden ships. But with that in mind, a ship's cat is a thing from superstition and folklore and just history. So for some reason, my brain went there for my <laughs> pick. I was like, extra passenger, it's probably going to be good luck to have a cat on board this ship. And I was like, okay, what sci-fi cats are there? And that immediately <laughs> popped into my head, my favorite sci-fi cat. This is going to be uh, uh, probably un- unknown to a lot of people, but I am picking Lion Cat from the Saga comic books. I have no idea what... <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, I'll get into it. So Saga is a comic book written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Staples. Brian K. Vaughn is a pretty uh, regular name in Image Comics and Independent Comics. He did Why the Last Man... Um, that was a pretty big run. This is his new one that's currently going on. And the internet likes to describe it as Star Wars meets Game of Thrones, but that's a little, I think those are just sensational labels to get people to check it out. Oh, yeah. But the basic premise is is that there's these two warring races, warring factions in the galaxy, and a member from each fall in love and have a baby, and now they are on, on the lamb from both of these entities that are trying to find them and essentially take care of them because this shouldn't happen. They should, you know, there shouldn't be an alliance between these, this war that's been going on for so mm-hmm. long. Um, so there's bounty hunters and there's uh, mercenaries and there's corporations going after the rebels. So there's a lot of common tropes in there. 
But one of the bounty hunters in it is called The Will. And The Will is chasing after Marco and Alana, the main characters. Um, but The Will has with him, his partner is Lion Cat. And Lion Cat is essentially a uh, five or six foot tall sphinx cat, like a hairless looking mm. cat. And he never tells the truth. Uh, he can tell when people, other people aren't telling the truth. He's a walking lie detector. So he it is lying. Okay. Yes. It's not like Lion Cat? It's lying. <laughs> L-Y-I-N-G. Yes. Lion Cat is his name. At first I thought you were saying Lion Cat. Like, lion Cat. Like uh, the Thundercats? Lion-O? No. Kind of redundant. Yep. No, this is a lying with a G cat. Uh, he's got pale blue skin, big yellow eyes, and that's his main trait is that the will keeps him around for interrogations and when he has witnesses or people he's kidnapped and the cat is a lie detector. Whenever somebody is being purposefully deceitful, the cat has one word. He's kind of like, I am Groot. All he says is he just goes, lying. <laughs> and people will talk and the cat will be sitting there looking all fierce and menacing and then this, the person will say something. He's like, I don't know where they are. And the cat just goes, lying. <laughs> and it's great. But it, that is sort of the novelty one note of this character. But within this series, events occur, situations happen, and we come to this character that's a slave girl that's been a slave on this prison planet, essentially, um, who gets rescued inadvertently by the Will, the bounty hunter, as he's going on his mission. And then we get a sense that Lion Cat either has some sort of supernatural component that, that can read minds or is telepathic or just smarter than it seems that a, a cat that just says lying would be in that... The, the slave girl has all these misconceptions about the world, like she hates people and she's very broken and bitter like an orphan would be. And so she thinks really bad about herself. And in the comics, she starts to verbalize that. And the cat to comfort her says, lying, like to let her know that what you believe about yourself isn't true. It's just a very touching moment that mm. comes unexpectedly, unexpectedly in this weird sci-fi tale. But uh, it shows that there's depth to lying cat than more than he lets on. So that's an added perk of having that cat on board the ship. Not only is it six feet tall and hairless feline that's menacing and look like it could bite you in three bites at least, um, there's, there's some empathy and like supernatural element to it as well that's very interesting. But this is all just to say Lion Cat is awesome. Go read Saga Comics. It's worth your time. Get back into comic books. <laughs> that's great. I didn't know anything about Lion Cat. Lion Cat. Useful. I mean, if we're going to be meeting new races and new aliens, I'm, I'd imagine having a, a lie detector for those oh, yeah. those first contacts would be beneficial as well. And you can't you can't give them a name. Just it's a cat. It is, <laughs> and he, he tells the people are lying. <laughs> I'm naming him Lion Cat. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, he's probably like Groot, where he has some name where he comes from on his own cat planet. You know, like Felonius Sixor the the Fourth or whatever. <laughs> but no, humans call him. Did Lion you just cat. make that up? Of course. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was quite a makeup. <laughs> All right. So speaking of made-up picks and made-up names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So my uh, third passenger. So I'm actually getting really specific with the the time the character was a passenger. Yes. So these characters go on to do great things, but right now they're just a passenger. So I'm talking about their passenger time. <laughs> So sometimes our passenger time is the whole thing, but not in the case of a couple of my picks because they go on to do great and wonderful things. But my number three pick from the prequels of Star Wars, uh -oh. Star Wars, 
The Phantom Menace, the first of the prequels. Yes. Technically now it's Star Wars 1. Episode 1. I picked Queen Padme Amidala, Queen of Naboo. Played by uh, Keira Knightley. Pa- no, Natalie Part. Well, oh. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I could I could have I could have picked her double. There you go. But yes, played by Natalie Portman. So you're like, what's going? What are you talking about, passenger? She was a passenger on her ship. That's true. When they left Naboo, she wasn't flying the ship. Nope. She wasn't crew of the ship. Nope. She wasn't a Jedi. Nope. They were transporting her to go talk to the Senate. So, in case you didn't know, spoilers for Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Padme is in. This is the the fun, and now it's fun to me. It used to bother me, but now it's fun to me. The silly wonkiness of the prequels. Yes. So, Padme is the queen of Naboo, who was elected. You elect a queen mm-hmm. on Naboo, apparently, and they elected a teenager to be the queen, which is weird to me. Yeah, trying to spice things up. I guess. <laughs> I guess and it's like a Parks and Rec thing. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> She tried to make Ice World, what it was called. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Got to learn your lesson. But um, I don't know if that was something wonky that was decided in the middle of it, because there's been plenty of teenage royalty just because the king dies there in line for the throne. Yeah, monarchy whatever. rules. Yeah, Monarchy rules. But this was elected, so uh, whatever. <laughs> it's funny and wonky to me. Anyway, so Naboo is being blockaded by the Trade Federation, which mm-hmm. is not legal under Republic law. Yep. So Jedi are sent to see what's going on. That's how the movie starts. And a great start, by the way. Yeah. Yes. It is no, it is a great start. Because Padme's down there, doesn't know what's going on. They're losing they're they're talking to I think they're talking to Palpatine yep. on Coruscant and it gets <laughs> and we get that awesome that awesome line that's a meme, you know, could only mean one thing. Could invasion. <laughs> right? Yep. From that one guy. <laughs> and she's all concerned and worried. And then it, it goes on. The the Jedi go down with the invasion force, and yep. they go to find her. And it, we quickly find out that Padme, who ends up, of course, being Luke and Leia's mom, yep. Mrs. Darth Vader. <laughs> Vader mom. <laughs> the, the character was written every bit of this is Leia's mom. There's a lot, a lot of Princess Leia oh, yeah, you, in there. So you could see where it comes from. Yeah, so you could see where it comes from. She's strong. She's independent. She she goes against the grain a lot of the time. She cares about her people because they get her out of there. Mm-hmm. The, the Jedi get her out of there to go talk on to the Senate, of course, not to say what's going on because communications were lost. Yep. That's why she had to do it because they couldn't say what was going on there. Yep. And old Palpatine's there, and he's the senator from Naboo, and... He is doing all his machinations because he's actually Darth Sidious. <laughs> and convinces her to do a vote of no confidence in the parliament. Yep. To So there's a, another election so Palpatine can be chancellor because all it's rigged. It's all rigged. Rigged yep. by the Sith. So, and here's the thing. Anyone who's grumpy about the prequels, I've learned from my younger millennial friends, kids who grew up with it, this story, the, the underlying story of this is solid. Yeah. George Lucas is a solid story maker true just the execution was a little goofy a little wonky so but i can put that aside i can look at <laughs> i can look at what i can look at what he meant to do i got you and of course because she cares so much about her people she's she can't stay she's like i need to go back yes and of course palpatine is like it's too dangerous you can't go back at the same time he's like go back so you can die <laughs> it's all part of the plan it is it's all part of his plan yep 
so she goes back to try and free her people because they've been invaded by the Trade Federation droid army. Mm-hmm. And in order to free her people, she has to go rely on the only other fighting force on her planet, and that's the Gungans. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Gungans have been kind of segregated from the Naboo they've people. Been put in a lake. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> sort of. And she has a parlay with uh, Boss Nass, the head of the Gungans, and she literally, yeah, she literally bows down to him, so they'll help. And like, no Daboo's ever done that, and so she's breaking rules. She is. She's forming her own path. She's fighting with the best of them, fighting beside a couple of Jedi. Oh yeah, all in the name of good. All in the name of good. And that's the that's the Padme that Episode One teenage Padme would be great to have on a ship because you're just, oh, we're just transporting this kid. Yep. But there's so much potential and there's so much more she can do and there's so much hidden there. Yep. And just would add to the story. Nice smartness and skills. But here's my question for you. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Padme's on your ship as a passenger. Does her destiny still come true? And at some point in your quest, she gives birth to Anakin Skywalker who becomes... She didn't give birth to Anakin Skywalker. She married Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah, she married Anakin. Oh, she, oh, she gives birth to Luke and Leia. So then do you have Jedi on your ship in, in, in Generations? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is kind of weird when you take someone out of yep. their thing, which is what we're doing here. But I don't know, maybe. It could be the twist. Like, you, you inadvertently, you're introducing Jedi into a space universe that hasn't seen them yet. Yeah. It's like, what are these? Oh, no. But that's great. Padme is a great, great pick. And good to just bring up the love for episode one because it, it is a thing that used to get slammed. And I, now I think with all the memes that we're talking about in the Internet, there's a there's a new love for it because it is so wonky and fun and silly and not as now that the expectations are gone from all the prequels. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a that's a lot to do with it. And they didn't make me grumpy and they didn't make me toxic back in the day. But <laughs> that's no way to live your life. You nope. just have to. Pick out the fun stuff, and there's a lot of fun stuff in there. I mean, Darth Maul, come on. That's a great Star Wars character. Wonderful. He's got it, and he's got the coolest lightsaber. Hot take. Yep. But if we're going the, the start of movies, I like it. That leads into my second pick for Passenger, and I'm going to the first movie of the trilogy called The Chronicles of Riddick, and the first movie is called Pitch Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So the passenger in that movie is actually a prisoner, still, oh, yeah, yeah, still, yeah, still yeah, being yeah. transported. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not but that, but that prisoner is Riddick himself, oh. the titular character played by Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel. We've already said that Will Wheaton is the king of nerds. I think that makes Vin Diesel like a nerd duke. Or man, he's almost like we 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 should almost make a, a <laughs> like a Marvel pantheon of yeah, our nerds. Very much so. Because to me, Vin Diesel's like the Thor of our nerds. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Will Wheaton would be like, hmm. Pre-serum Captain America? (laughs) Not Cap. See, a a Chris Hardwick seems more like a Captain America to me. There you go. So a Bruce Banner or a Tony Stark? Will Wheaton. Oh, yeah. Will Wheaton would be a. (laughs) Yes, yes. Will Wheaton is. Will Wheaton's Iron Man. There you go. Yes, (laughs) yes. That works out. So today we're talking about Thor (laughs) in Chronicles of (laughs) Riddick. No, but Vin Diesel's great, and like the reason he gets into playing like the character I'm about to talk about and other stuff is because he's a huge D and D nerd. He's been running campaigns oh, yeah. since yep. he was little. That's that's his bread and butter. So when they gave him a chance to be like, "Hey, do you want to play this sort of superhero prisoner that you know escapes on a planet that's pitch black and has to fight off aliens?" He was like, "Yeah, I do that on the weekends." So yeah, just put a camera in front of me. Did you ever see when Vin Diesel came out on 
I don't remember if it was the Tonight Show or Letterman, uh-uh. but but or what talk show it was. But he basically came out as a Dungeons and Dragons nerd. Oh, that's awesome! And he started talking about his character, like he literally went. It was legit. That's awesome. Because he started talking about his character. That's awesome. And in, in, in the way we talk about our characters with our friends at a convention or something. Because, it, yeah, it's memories and stories. And I, I wish I remember exactly what, but I remember the host being like, what is happening right now? <laughs> There's too much nerd. I don't know how to handle it. But Riddick knows how to handle nerdery, and uh, he does so well because... Not only, I mean, it's Vin Diesel, so picture a Vin Diesel character in a movie. You got most of the picture already. Super jacked, super ripped, can punch anything, put holes and stuff. But in Pitch Black, he does have the cool superpower in that he had his eyes surgically modified so mm-hmm. that he can see in the dark. Yep. Ooh, if we're going to space, space is eternal dark. It's nothing but dark. <laughs> and so I want somebody that can punch real hard, be real mean, and see real far in the dark. And so... <laughs> Riddick <laughs> satisfies all those criteria. It, and he just gets better. Like the odds, the movies go on. The pitch black, the first movie is fairly self contained. They're on a ship, they're transporting him. Accidents happen, ship crashes. Uh, Vin Diesel gets away because he's a prisoner, but then he's like, oh, I'm actually a good person. So he comes back and helps the crew fight off the aliens so they can escape. And then it just gets more severe from that. He ends up being on a, a, a planet that's an entire prison, escaping from that because it's Vin Diesel and he's awesome. Uh, he fights an army of space aliens that come over to planets and take them over and turn them the inhabitants into zombies so they can be part of their army. He defeats them. Um, they're really, I don't think I've seen anything that Riddick can't handle just yet no. without the use of his special eyes and sharp pointy weapons. So, what was the Which one was the one where there was, was that the prison planet, the one where the sun was so hot you couldn't go outside? Yes. And he got caught outside and he's like running from like the... Yeah, the, the, the horizon of where <sighs> daylight and nighttime is. That was awesome. It was awesome. You know what it was like? And this is like pre those... Those games like PUBG and Fortnite and stuff. That was like the storm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The area is shrinking for you to live. You have to get there. Yeah. If you don't, you die in 30 seconds. That's that's really true. Um, yeah. It's just those movies are great. That character is a, is a badass. So having that as part of my ship, I think he would fit in well. He is a misfit because, you know, he's a mutant. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really have a home that he comes from. I think I don't remember specifically. I think there's mention of him being like the last of his kind kind of stuff, like I the where, so, he, yeah. where he comes from. So, yeah, I'm going to take him with me. Seems like he'd be a boon to have in space, and he can tell us where he's going because he can see in the dark. That's so cool. <laughs> That's a good number two. That could have been a number one pick for sure. It could have. But those are number two picks. Now, my number two pick could have been a number three pick, and it's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of a joke pick, but I, I don't know. This is funny. It is funny. So my, my number two pick from the movies... Spaceballs <laughs> is Princess Vespa. Yay! Wait, I'm not thinking of the right Vespa. <laughs> now, Spaceballs, of course, is the Star Wars parody that Mel Brooks made. And if he parodies a lot of, more than Star Wars in there, but it's Star yeah. Wars is the base yes. that he's making fun of. And Princess Vespa is the Princess Leia parody <laughs> character. <laughs> and the, she's the spoiled daughter of King Roland from Druidia, so she's a Druish princess. That's awesome. Ah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mel, now, Mel Brooks, to, Mel Brooks, to a lot of people who might be like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. a lot of... Yeah, because he, I mean... But the dude's like 90. Yeah. <laughs> so his stuff's old. You have to... We say this all the time to you guys and gals. You have to... When you watch something, you have to remember what time it came out in. Oh, for sure. 
and what they were doing. It's it's almost like reading ancient texts or whatever. You have to realize who they were talking to and what they were trying to get at. Oh yeah, to get the to full fully effect. understand it. <laughs> yep. So and, and to me that's super nerdy. If you can be nerdy enough that you can try and understand the context of the time that was <laughs> happening. Yep. I'm telling you, you'll enjoy it a lot more. I agree. So Mel Brooks stuff is like that. Mel Brooks stuff, at, every, at the time it came out, it was always groundbreaking. Oftentimes it was horribly offensive. <laughs> uh, sometimes it still is. Oh, it is, yeah. That's, um, that's the nature of comedy. But it's great. So Spaceballs is a great one. It's a great send-up of sci-fi. It's a great send-up of Star Wars. And Princess Vespa, played by Daphne Zuniga. Oh, yeah. And it's it, it's so much fun. So... She's she's about to. It starts off spoilers for Spaceballs. <laughs> spoilers for Spaceballs. She's supposed to marry uh, the last prince who's left in the universe. Yep, Prince Valium, <laughs> who's always sleepy. I wonder why. So th- that's what's fun about this too. The he really he really finds that fairy tale aspect. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing about Star Wars is it's really just a fairy tale. Yeah, it's a it's a softer sci-fi because it has more of the fantastical elements like that. Yeah, in exactly. Sure. So he like kind of leans into that fairy tale, like <laughs> a Prince Valium who's sleepy all the time. That's something from like a kid's book, yeah. sort of. If you have to explain what Valium is to your kids, but I think Jim J. Bullock played Prince Valium. Oh yeah. yeah. And so of course she doesn't want to marry him, so she does a runaway bride move. And yeah. she runs away with with Dot Matrix, her <laughs> robot. Female C-3PO. Female C-3PO, Joan Rivers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, is Joan Rivers. The voice of it. So, so good. She runs off. And uh, while she's running off, she almost gets captured by Dark Helmet and the Space Balls. <laughs> that's, those, are the, that's, those are the Space Balls. Yep. Uh, uh, and... Uh, that's so funny. Just uh, I, I don't, let's just stop and watch it now. No, we can. We'll be so, right back. But anyway, uh, so she's under attack, and uh, the she needs help, and the king offers Lone Star and Barf. What's your name, Barf? <laughs> to uh, who are Han Solo and Chewbacca parody? Yep. Uh, to go rescue her, and they do. They get her out, and she never gets captured at first. They just get her out of the transport. Okay. And onto his Winnebago, his flying Winnebago. <laughs> and that's when she becomes a passenger on his Winnebago. There you go. So she's the passenger on the Winnebago, and so much funny stuff happens with her. The when they finally crash on the desert planet that's supposed to be like Tatooine, and she's got all this <laughs> luggage that they're making her carry around. Yep. And we finally get the reveal when they the biggest one, they open it up and all that's in there is a giant hair dryer. It's her hair dryer, yeah. And it's <laughs> And she's it's it's just so funny. She's they have her acting all prissy, like the princess and stuff. Yep. But the ultimate payoff is the moment where they go like full princess lay on her, and her hair gets shot. Yep. And she gets really mad. She gets real mad and just starts taking out all the space walls. They shot my <laughs> hair. They shot my hair. That's great. So it's a fun character. It's a funny character. I don't be fun to have on the ship. Yep. Um, well, it shows might be kind of a, a nightmare sometimes, but <laughs> uh, a little bit of a Mrs. Howell from Gilligan's Island going on there. I can see it. Yep, I can dig it. I do like it though because it like that moment does show when push comes to shove when the cards are on the table that she can be a badass and help out and shoot some guns. Yeah, I love. If you guys haven't seen Spaceballs, go see yes. Spaceballs. It's so much fun. It's so funny. 
I wonder what people would think of Spaceballs if they hadn't, like, if they weren't really, like, knowledgeable about Star Wars, if they were just to watch Spaceballs cold. I, I don't think that situation could possibly exist, but I'd be curious to hear an opinion about that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Man, we need to find someone and do that. Yes. You're into comedy, but not into Jedi's. I don't know. Give us a call. <laughs> Send us an email. So uh, that's my number two. Princess Vespa. That's awesome. So you're number one. My number one. Dun, We've dun, come dun, to dun. it. Yes. Drum roll. <laughs> My number one is... I'm excited. Keeping on theme, uh, my crew is a bunch of misfits and outcasts and people that are sort of a little off that somehow are banded together and now are exploring the universe for reasons untold and undecided at the moment, but to be filled in later. Um, so my, my misfit passenger that I am going to pick was the passenger that was on the ship Serenity <gasps> from... The TV show Firefly. There's two passengers on that ship. There Which are two is passengers. It? it is the cuter one. It is River Tam. Oh, I'll fight you saying that's a cuter <laughs> one. In my opinion, it is the cuter one. It is River Tam played by Summer Glau from Firefly and also the movie Serenity. Yes. Oh, my favorite. Yes. Kevin is happy because we've, we brought up Firefly in our sci-fi series so far. Oh, yeah. Kaylee's my engineer. She is. That's why I couldn't take River Tam or Morena Backrens Inara, which wow, that would have been a but sorry, Kaylee Kaylee <laughs> wins. Yep, and we've 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 talked about Jane, we've talked about Wash, so mm-hmm. the the whole crew you really can't go wrong picking out of one one of them. But for my money, I think River Tam out of that crew is the most fascinating character because she's super weird. She's space Buffy kind she, of. She is space Buffy. She's a petite, frail. A seemingly normal, just young woman uh, who happens to also have slightly telepathic powers, mm-hmm. can sense people's emotions, mm-hmm. and can also snap and start doing kung fu and shooting <sighs> weapons and right. taking out rooms of about 30 bad guys all on her own while while she makes it look like she's dancing and, I don't know, singing poetry in her head or something. Like, it, it, it's, it's not... Such it, a good Joss whedon character. Oh, it's, it's one of his typical ones, and it's one that it's a trope you do find a lot in sci-fi of, like, the, the powers revealed, like, the person that has been through trauma and so are somehow limited, and then that limitation gets removed and just all badassery gets unleashed. It's like you take uh, you take Buffy... And you take a little bit of Eleven from Stranger Things. Yep. And you take a sprinkling of Aubrey Plaza. Yep. Just her. Yep. And mix it together. Throw in some classics like La Femme Nikita and uh, Lilu Dallas from Fifth Element. And and you're getting that well-rounded character that I definitely want as as a passenger on my crew. Oh, yeah. She had... I I think they mentioned this specifically in the show, but she had her amygdala-modified which apparently is the part of the brain that's responsible for filtering your emotions, like Am- keeping amig- things in... Amygdala? Amygdala? Am- amygdala? I don't know. I read it. It's Tomato? One... Tom- I think it's amygdala. Okay. Well, but then, I could be wrong. Now we'll go with amygdala. It's uh, like, it's it's the nerd trait. You read a fancy word in a book, but you never hear actually somebody say it, and so then you go to say it, and you're like, oh, I'm a nerd. Sorry, I've never said this word out loud in my life. <laughs> so amygdala... Maybe. I There's probably someone yelling at their headphones right now i think you said princess amidala and so i'm like amygdala amygdala <laughs> it's her amidala that's what it is here's the thing people write in and tell us how we're done <laughs> give us a nice phonetic spelling of this word so i don't have to do this every day. <laughs> but she had the emotions the feels part of her brain tweaked with a little bit so that she 
one, her emotions are all out of whack. So when she yeah. did, does get super emotional, that's when her powers come out, kind of mm-hmm. like the Hulk. It's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's like, well, you aren't going to like River Tam unless you're watching. You aren't going to like River Tam when she gets angry either. But with that, she also has the trait of being really empathetic and being able to connect with people on a deeper level. And I think when we're talking space travel and sci-fi crews, there's usually an element of that that's necessary. You have like the counselors on the Star Trek ships, like Deanna Troy, you know, their whole purpose is to sort of work on the relationships of the crew and the emotions and the empathy and the stuff that's sort of ethereal to the science and logistics of everything that's going on. So as cool as River is, she's also that sort of aspect of humanity that fits into a crew. Um, Double bonus points, my military officer on my ship is Amos Burton, who I've already said is a confirmed sociopath. He doesn't know how to feel emotions. I think it'd be interesting to put those two characters together because they're essentially like they're each other's missing part. And I think it'd be interesting to see what that conflict or, you know, what resolution would happen from that. Be like, she could teach me how to feel and I could teach her how to kill even better. I don't know. So it sounds like it would make for an interesting quest and I'll never get tired of the scenes in Serenity and Firefly where Serenity, where River just, it gets real quiet. There's a nice peaceful long shot and then she starts dancing and shooting weapons and kicking people and you're like, oh my God, this is a ballet of violence and I'm on board. Go River, <laughs> kick butt. So that is the main reason for her being first pick is she kicks butt. Yes, such a good one. And again, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take her. Or <laughs> that, them's the the breaks that we've put before yeah, us. We have a, to limit it one per one per series. One per series. Okay, so now my number one. Dun, dun, dun. So, and this was foreshadowed. I didn't take her mom, and I didn't take her parody, <laughs> which can only mean I chose for my passenger the OG passenger. The sci-fi passenger from Star Wars, Princess Leia Organa. Oh, it's not BB-8? No. No, Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Awesome. Now, now, like I said, we're getting real specific. Just like I had episode one Padme, I'm picking the, what is it, four? One, two, yes, four. I see my old brain. It wasn't (laughs) called that. It was just called Star Wars. Princess Leia. Yes. The classic Princess Leia, the Princess Leia that was a passenger Mm -hmm. on two vessels. The Tandem 5, she was transported there, and then the Millennium Falcon. That's true. So she was being taken places, but she didn't need to be taken anywhere because she took control as soon as she could. (laughs) Now, Princess Leia is the OG. This is 1977. If you're looking for a strong female character, those guys, you you got Ripley coming out around the same time for Aliens. That generation of directors, you know, Lucas and Spielberg doing stuff and... Um, James, Cameron. James Cameron, man, that was they they were doing it then, and I think they need more credit. Oh, for sure, because Princess Leia from the jump was this is I think why Star Wars holds up so well, mm-hmm. why it's so popular across generations, because she is the woman that anyone wants on their <laughs> ship, and she just seemingly this passenger, this senator, yep. a princess from Alderaan who's being transported. Darth Vader gets on her freaking ship, <laughs> and she, everyone's scared of Darth Vader nope. except for her. That's true. She's not scared of Darth Vader at all, at all. That's awesome. I didn't, re- yeah, I, I didn't realize until you pointed out. But that's very, very true. No, she like basically tells him off. <laughs> and that not only that is that when she gets taken in front of Tarkin, let's let's do the quote. 
Governor Tarkin, I expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Oh, snaps. And not only does she say that line, she says it in a British accent. Everyone's like, why does she have a British accent on that part? Is it because that's how people on Coruscant talk? Yep. That's like fancy senator speech. Yes. So she's just giving it to him. <laughs> she's, she's, yeah, she's using her political voice to let him know she means business. I mean, come on. She's not afraid of this big cyborg behind her. With a with a laser sword. With a laser sword. She's not afraid of Governor Tarkin, one of the most powerful moths in yep. the universe, galaxy. Yep. I guess it would be. Then, So we see that out of her. And then when Han and Luke show up to rescue her, she ends up rescuing them, right? That is right. That's basically what happens. Yep. The first, first thing we get is... That iconic scene, the door opens up and Luke comes in and she's just like reclined there like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just got like interrogated by Darth Vader and I'm just going to hang out, right? I guess it's nice somebody showed up. <laughs> Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Yeah, exactly. It's great. And then and then they're in the hallway and they're fighting and she's like, some rescue. <laughs> That's hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does have she does have expectations and commentary about how right. she I should mean, be rescued. She hits the garbage thing, and Han's like, "What are you doing?" And yeah. she's like, "Somebody's gonna save us. Get in the garbage chute, Flyboy." <laughs> just, it's just great. Yep. Uh, so, in <laughs> I mean, this. How would you not want this iconic character on your ship? Now, I, I know it's very interesting. I picked these three princesses, well, a queen and two princesses. I like the theme. It's almost like my ship is a. A consular transport ship. There you go. Or something like that. Ripe, ripe for political machinations. <laughs> and of course, like you were saying, it, is this the, does the character go on? Like, does Padme went on? So does Leia go on? Well, then we'd have to introduce the whole rebellion and everything. <laughs> and everything that's going on there. So, but either way, it's one of those things where just this character, uh, that's why I picked specifically, you take this character out of that episode yep, yep. of Star Wars and the character is so strong that no matter what happens next, even if it isn't like what happens in Star Wars next, true. If what whatever happens in our weird movie show, whatever we're doing, yep. that that base core of the character of Princess Leia is so strong. The background is so strong it, that whatever goes on, <laughs> you know, she's probably gonna end up taking whoever I pick for a captain, look out. Oh for sure. Yeah. Because eventually She's going to take over. Just She's just 19 right now. so She hasn't you know, come into full power yet. Yeah, she hasn't come into full power yet. But yep. just I just love the, the sarcasm out of her. Get this big walking carpet out of my way. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The She's so brave in the face of danger and everything. It'd just be great to have Princess Leia anywhere, really. And then it's also Carrie Fisher, who is an awesome rad person. I know. So. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. Yep. We miss you horribly. But, man... Uh, this uh. I, I do like the idea of what you're saying about like sort of the faded characters because an, another nerd reference is the Wheel of Time books. Those are a lot of fantasy books, but they have the concept of Tavarian, which is that the Wheel of Time, there's the threads of time and everybody's threads sort of get entangled as the story of life unfolds. Mm-hmm. And Tavarian are the people whose threads are so strong and like vibrant that they pull other threads towards them and mm-hmm. they're the one that sort of decide the pattern of how things unfold. And that sounds... Princess Leia is definitely one of those types of characters. That's awesome. Right, because somebody's going to be after the ship. Oh, yeah. Whether it's a Star Destroyer shows up with Vader or something. Yep. Some, she's into something, 
and someone's gonna cause trouble <laughs> for it. Yeah, fate follows Princess Leia yeah. for sure. That's and she went on to do so much in the Star Wars universe. We could I could talk all day about Princess Leia, <laughs> but that the white dress Princess Leia is yep. what a lot of us fell in love with when oh, we were sure. kids. Packing a blaster and taking no guff. Yep. I dig it. That is an excellent first pick, an excellent passenger to have aboard your Normandy 2. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so we have passengers, we have doctors, we have engineers, we have medical officers, we have pilots, and we have our ships. So now we're starting to fill in the command seats of our ships, and next week it looks like we're going to be picking our first officers. First officers. Second yes. in command. The second in command of the ship. Man. My brain's already working. And neither of us can take Zoe Washburn, nope. one of the best second-in-commands ever. That's true. Firefly is off the table for picks, even though the whole crew is pretty awesome. It is. That is a brilliant crew. <laughs> with That would have been the shortest podcast ever. There you go. It's yeah. like, who do you want? Firefly. I will take Firefly with that crew. The end. <laughs> what are we going to talk about next? As long as I can add Baymax, my doctor, on there, <laughs> it's all good. Need a teddy bear for space travel. Oh, see. He's, he's had enough of Simon. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Much prefer River. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Yes. Uh, let us know who do you want. Did you? Are you mad we didn't pick Wesley Crusher, one of the oh, one of the great passengers of all time? Let us know you want Wesley Crusher. Put him on your ship. Tell us who your ship is. Tell us who your crew is. Yeah. Tell us who your passenger is. Did you pick Whoopi Goldberg running the bar? Is the name of your ship Amygdala or Amygdala? <laughs> Let us know. You can hit us up on all the socials at AssumingPod. You can Gmail us. Send us a letter at AssumingPositions at gmail.com. Uh, big thanks go out to that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Jazzar for doing our music, Not Scott Productions for our equipment. And we want to thank the local game store in Richardson for being the place we go game. Yeah. And we want to thank you for listening. Amygdala. <laughs> Amygdala. album name though chomping on the radio it is a good album name <laughs> rolling rolling pre-roll pre-roll keep them doggies rolling 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 Siblings. rolling podcast siblings siblings oh, <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> <laughs> too much red dead too much red dead <laughs>